0: Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. I'm Rick James!
1: I am Rick Lee James and you're listening to Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I am indeed Rick Lee James, and I am glad to be here with you for Episode 3. What a fantastic episode it's going to be. We had with us earlier today in the studio a special guest. The first guest forevermore will be the first guest on Voices in My Head with Rick Lee James. The great, wonderful, super stupendous, any other thing I can think to say that's good, Daniel Dye. But first, before we get into all that, I had this revelation this week that everyone listening to this podcast is, uh, this is kind of a sci-fi moment, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to it in the future, because I'm recording it several days before you'll get to listen to it. So let me just give a lesson from the voices in the past. To you future people who are listening to this podcast, don't make the same mistakes that the people in my time did, learn from their mistakes, and buy my music. That's all I can say. Don't make the same mistakes the people of my time here in the past made, because your life will be so much more enriched. Now, I don't know if that's true, but anyway, welcome everybody, future, past, present, all of you who are going to be listening to us here in cyberspace, whether it's on iTunes, on your iPod or whether you're listening at Podbean or any other thing that has the word pod in it, we just welcome you here to today's podcast. Going to start off with a segment that I like to call Stuff Rick Likes. Stuff Rick Likes. Well, My first recommendation is a website, spidermancrawlspace.com. The webmaster is Brad Douglas, a TV broadcaster from Joplin, Missouri, who made this site years ago because of his love for Spider-Man. And he has made one of the most entertaining podcasts on the web. You can go to iTunes and find it at spidermancrawlspace.com. But there's not just a podcast on this site. There's also uh, daily comic strips of Spider-Man. There's reviews of, I think, every Spider-Man book or Spider-Man-related book that comes out every month. There's Spider-related video game news and video game reviews. There's YouTube videos that feature things like interviews with Stan Lee. There's videos with, like, William Shatner interviewing Stan Lee, which is kind of an interesting combination. There's all kinds of Spider-Man fan art. There's uh, weird Marvel collectibles, which is one of my very favorite things. Things like uh, toilet paper that has Spidey on it. Or, uh, for those of you that are asthmatic Spider-Man fans, there's Spidey inhalers. There's even Spidey Pampers that you can see pictures of on this site. Stuff you didn't even know existed. But it's a fantastic site run by a fantastic guy named Brad Douglas, you gotta check out the site, check out the podcast, you will not be sorry. So I highly recommend Spider dot com.
0: You should try it, man. I recommend, that. Oh, no. yeah. I recommend it.
1: Well, for those of you that are not comic book fans, I apologize because my recommendations are comic related this week, but not much else on the broadcast is today. Um, But I recommend to you Superfly Comics and Games, a shop in Yellow Springs, Ohio on Dayton Street. Um, It has it all. It has the best customer service you can imagine by Tony Berry and Jared Whitaker and various other ones. Uh, Those are two of the guys that I know the best at the store and just all around friendly guys. They do a great job with the place. They make you feel welcome. Welcome and like family when you go in there. I have been a patron of this store since they opened in August of two thousand six. They have expanded themselves to not just sell comics but they've expanded into video into cards into board and role playing games mo- movies um I never know if it's manga, manga. Manja, whatever, Um, but they do that too. They have toys, t-shirts, statues, and other cool things. And by other cool things, I mean things like Marvel Comics guitar picks. Yes, what every musician needs. Tumblers, fantastic glasses with uh, superheroes on them. I have a few of those. And I even picked up an Incredible Hulk coffee mug. And be sure to ask them if you contact Superfly or are living close enough to go to their store that they have a subscription poll file service. If you subscribe to some comics through them, they will start a file for you and you get 15% off almost everything in the store. And there's a 10% discount for college students and military personnel. And now this is why I'm recommending it to the internet audience because they also ship things out of state. If you go to superflycomics.com, they will hook you up. They have an Amazon store and they have all kinds of ways to order. I'm not kidding. It's some very good customer service. Um, they just make things right for you, and uh, I highly recommend Superfly Comics and Games. So they get my recommendation for this week.
0: Right. You should hey, try I it, man! That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I recommend yeah. it highly. Yeah.
1: We also have another new segment here on the show. Uh, From time to time, I come across information that just completely takes me by surprise. And uh, this is no exception to the rule. So, without any further ado...
0: This just popped into my head, it's
1: news to me! Well, news to me. Bleedingcool.com is reporting that DC Comics and DC Entertainment is getting a new logo. Now, I know that DC Comics just got themselves a new logo, so it seems kind of hard to believe, but in 2005, yes, they did get a new logo. What's even harder to believe is that 2005 was seven years ago. But uh, the relatively recent uh, DC spin, DC swoosh design, or whatever you call it, uh, apparently is going to be replaced by something new. And uh, the symbol, it kind of looks weird. It looks like... um, I, I don't know how to describe it other than it looks like you could peel it backwards. and I guess maybe it's for animation purposes, but um, I don't know what they're calling it. Maybe the DC Peel or the, the DC Flip. But according to Bleeding Cool, it says uh, when the 2005 logo was unveiled, it was universally panned. Now, it seems to be rather liked, especially since its appearance at the beginning of a number of movies and TV shows has given it a little animation and familiarity. So look forward to people declaring undying love for the old logo and an utter rejection of the new. It's the way things go. So unpeel here, perhaps. Nevertheless, let the hating begin. And that's according to bleedingcool.com. So it's news to me. I hope that uh, everybody likes the new logo, if there, in fact, is going to be a new logo. Well, it's that time that you have been waiting for with bated breath, the time that we call the question of the week. The Question of the Week this week was a uh, very delicate question that didn't really set well with some people. The question was, in a fight, who would win between Chewbacca and Bigfoot? And this caused uh, more than a few responses to come online. So um, let's start with a response from Matt Cole from Lexington, Kentucky. He says, "Okay, this is such an unfair comparison. Chewie has strategic intelligence, the abilities to build, maintain, pilot, and use vehicles and weaponry that exceed human technologies, and has far superior social skills and hygiene to boot, even if the technologies are taken out of the picture on brute strength. He has ascribed the reputation of dealing with opponents of board game um, of the board game by ripping off their arms when he loses." Granted, Bigfoot has been known to recover from being trucked by an early 80s station wagon. See Harry and the Hendersons. But really, this rates his physicality as no higher than an adult male of the Griswold family. Let's face it, unless the battle is uh, who can fill the most of Shaq's basketball shoes, this one is hands down going to Chewbacca. That was uh, submitted by Matt Cole through the Voices in My Head with Rick Lee James Facebook page now uh matt was uh was the right in response, but there were several votes on this on the poll and the Facebook page and nobody voted for bigfoot so let's take a look real fast and see if everybody's right. Chewbacca's strength if we look at adult wookies uh adult wookies are typically taller than most humans, averaging two point one meters that's six foot eleven to us Americans. They possess enormous strength, you know, and Han Solo does say that he can pull a man's arms out of the sockets if angered or slighted, as Matt made reference to in his comment. And uh, in in books and comics, no humanoid species is shown to equal a Wookiee in pure strength. Wookiees also have a keen sense of smell. They are fully covered with a thick uh, coat of hair, so they don't need to wear a coat in harsh winter environments. If you saw Empire Strikes Back, you know that's the truth. Uh, they have good hand-eye coordination and are shown to be excellent marksmen. Wookiees also possess retractable claws. The better to aid them in climbing trees of their homelands, and it's considered very dishonorable to use their claws as weapons in a fight. And those who do are dubbed mad claws, and they are exiled from the community. So it's nice to know that there's some honor among the, whoopie, the whoopies. The wookies. I mean. Their uh, leaping movement and ability in aboriginal i don't know how to pronounce this word that i'm reading from uh, but it's shown to be favorable to the many tree-dwelling primates and presumably comes with a lack of a fear of heights and uh, gives them excellent natural balance so you know chewy with good reason has lots of good things going for him now bigfoot what does he have bigfoot he has well big feet he's never around from what I can tell and he probably wouldn't even show up for the fight because apparently he doesn't like to be photographed. I mean, what do we have? That that one photograph that's shown on everything for Bigfoot? And according to, you know, the beef jerky commercials, he's always sleeping and he obviously just gets annoyed by those beef jerky loving morons who want to mess with him all the time. So, you know, I guess... For a sleepy Bigfoot that never shows up, maybe because he's too busy chasing people who have stuck shaving cream in his hand and tickle his nose with a feather, Chewbacca is the clear winner. So, that has been the question of the week. Now, for next week's question, you can go to RickLeeJames.com to answer this question. You can also go to the Voices in My Head uh, Facebook page. And uh, answer the question there this week's question, another fight question sorry folks, but it's who would win in a fight between Superman and the mighty Thor and this actually has to do a lot with something we're talking about next week and believe it or not, it's not really all that comic related, but the question of the week for next week, who would win in a fight between Superman and the mighty Thor, and that has been the question of the week (music) Well, I am super thrilled that those of you who are listening, many of you have been writing in and sharing things about the podcast, what it's meant to you, and uh, I just hope you'll keep those uh, cards and letters coming in, folks. It really does mean a lot to me. I'm really glad to hear that uh, some of the stuff we've been h- talking about has actually been a help to some of you. So uh, I want to go ahead and take a minute to share some feedback. <laughs> Well, our feedback today, the first feedback that I have, also comes uh, from Matthew Cole, and he says, Good stuff, Rick. Really good stuff. However, I find myself starting to argue back as as if though you could hear me. iTunes needs to work on that. Well, Matt, I have kind of a solution for you. If you call 937 that's our listener comment line, and you can actually record a message and leave it to be played for the next show. Um, so make sure and do that. But thank you for the good feedback. I really appreciate that. Uh, I have uh, someone that I believe wanted to remain, remain anonymous um, but just just said uh, Such a beautiful thing That I really appreciate a lot And I, I'm glad that God's using this He said uh, He's actually a fellow podcaster And um, he said I won't get to mention this on the show But I have to credit you I'm making some changes in my life And my mission Thanks to your episode one I realized that the radio silence from God I had been experiencing least recently was because the last time he spoke to me, I ignored him, and uh, I so appreciate that, and I'm so glad that uh, you've decided to make some changes for the better in your life, and uh, all thanks be to God, obviously, and not to me. I have no credit in that whatsoever, so, uh, but thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad to hear what's going on. And uh, our next uh, comment actually comes from a guy that you're going to hear from in a few minutes here. But this one is from Daniel Dye, our very own uh, artist of the day and guest star here on Voices in My Head. Uh, It says, Rick, I just listened to podcast one. Good stuff. It's funny. I just told my sister that story about the fellow in the gallows yesterday and have been talking to some others recently about Mother Teresa's apparent loss of faith and yet how she lives so faithfully. A few years ago, I got to see where she lived in Calcutta, and the contrast of love, decency, and order in her residence compared to the dark chaos around was remarkable. Anyway, it's cool how these things work. Your podcast is exactly what I've been thinking about lately. Good work, Daniel Dye. Well that was a good place for us to uh, go into the interview that was previously recorded today with Daniel Dye. I'm very grateful for his comments and uh, I'm very grateful to all of you who... Uh, want to call in. Now, after the interview that I'm about to share with you, I'm going to tell you how you can get a free copy of Daniel Dye's CD. Uh, So you want to make sure and listen to that. Please don't fast forward through the interview, though, because Daniel says some good things. Again, that comment line, if you have something you want to be shared on the show next week is 937-505-0162. Well, now here is the first ever interview on Voices in My Head with Daniel Dye. Well, here we are. I'm very excited this week to have my very first guest, and forevermore, forever and ever, amen. Daniel Dye will be the very first guest ever on the Voices in My Head podcast here. So, uh, Daniel, welcome. Glad to have you here in the studio today. Um, I have to ask you the most—I know we're going to get into your music, and we're going to get into your life, and we're going to get into a lot of other things that are very important— but I think all of us will agree that the most important thing we can talk about today is something that uh, the question of the week. And this question of the week has been causing quite a stir on the Internet. Um, the question is, in a fight, who would win between Chewbacca and, uh, and Bigfoot? So thoughts on the matter, Chewbacca and Bigfoot, who's going to win this fight?
2: Um. Undoubtedly Chewbacca. Uh, the problem with Bigfoot is that he's so elusive, he just keeps disappearing. <laughs> I'm not quite sure of his existence. So, if it came down to it, the one who's there would win, I believe. <laughs> so, yeah, I think i got to go with Chewbacca on this one.
0: Okay,
1: so, well, that's probably. I don't know crap. what the polls are saying, but. Well, but maybe, you know, I always go, nobody at this point has actually voted for Bigfoot yet. The only thing I would say is maybe he has stealth going for him. That you know, but he might be a dirty fighter, and you know he might sneak up on Chewbacca, and that would be a problem.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's true. And I think also that you you ultimately want good to prevail, right? Right. Bigfoot, we're not quite sure. We don't know—is he good or is he bad? He or she, or what is this?
1: You don't know. He's so elusive. So uh, the only thing that I could say is, I think for both of them, you could stop them both with a bottle of nair. I'm not sure. Just burn their hair right off of them. But uh, anyway, that's an important discussion for us to have. I've got friends online that are mad that they would even be on the same level uh, to be talked to in comparison about Chewbacca and uh, and Bigfoot. I don't know. All I know much about Bigfoot is uh, they mess with him on the Slim Jim commercials. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they also, he got hit by a car, a station wagon in Harry and the Hendersons. That's so right. uh, yeah. so other than that you never know about the guy. I have haven't heard so, of Harry Nansen's for a long time. I know. So. <laughs> I probably go to the library and watch it and then maybe <laughs> I back to back with Star Wars will tell me who the real victor would be but um anyway I'm not sure either of them can talk. I mean I know Chewbacca can but it's always I can't tell. It's like talking to a dog. And he's very emotional, isn't he? He's yeah, very maybe. emotional and he's got that crossbow and some sort of shoulder strap thing. Anyway, well, that's the important stuff, so now we can talk about other things that are less important in life, like like you, for instance. No, not really. Not just kidding. Like your music, and uh, I'm really excited, folks, because uh, Daniel is um, a great musician, and um, he's going to actually share some music later on in the show. Uh, he is a native of Ohio, and uh, you can go to his website at uh, com. Is that the best one to yeah, go to? That's you the best one. That... Also, have Facebook page. And...
2: Yeah, that leads to Facebook and MySpace and YouTube and all that stuff. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Great. Um, yeah, so, and, and there's so many uh, different social network aspects that you can find but look up daniel die i think after you hear him today and hear more about him you're going to really want to hear more of his music he's unique he's a a great all-around guy i've enjoyed getting to know him over the past few months and uh, we even got to play together at a a concert i put on not too long ago and uh, we'll hear more about that but Tell me just a little bit about yourself. We know you're an Ohio native, so tell us uh, tell us kind of uh, just a little bit about your background, maybe as a childhood growing up, and, uh, and stop just before you get to your backpacking in Europe. You know, try to... Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I am the youngest of six children, and um, I guess for my music bio, I always have to mention my family, because we used to sing and still do all the time as a family. In fact... Um, Back in the '80s, I was the youngest member of the Die Family Singers, and we would go and, and we did some touring in, in churches and schools, and sang lots of gospel tunes and I don't know at that point contemporary Christian music. Yeah. And and that sort of thing. Um,
1: so, what was contemporary Christian music back then?
2: Um, is, was Go to the Rock contemporary Christian? No, I don't. Go know to what the that Rock.
1: I don't what, know, oh, it was, can uh, you think of what year we might be talking about? We're talking
2: about? in 85, 86, 87. Okay. You know better than I would. All right.
0: Um, All
1: right.
2: What's that guy's name? Is it Scott Wesley Brown?
1: Scott Wesley Brown, yeah. Scott Wesley Brown, we
2: sang a couple of his tunes. I remember that. Yeah. So if he was a big deal back then, we yeah. covered his stuff. Man, that was. Yes.
1: I don't know. I, I, look, I don't look back fondly on that period of Christian music. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Celebrate Jesus, which I never knew if we were like. Like commanding Jesus to celebrate Or if we were supposed to celebrate Jesus Or what the, you know, I wasn't sure It's a bit unclear Yeah, Yeah, it's a bit unclear in that But anyway, well very cool So you uh, did all the greatest hits of uh, the 80s No, (laughs) (laughs) the 80s Christian pop music No
2: Yeah, actually actually, we just had a Die Family Reunion show In late December combined with my parents' 50th anniversary And it was was, um, quite a night Um, Songs we hadn't done for, you know, 20 years or something and then people that we hadn't seen for almost that long that heard we were singing came out for the show, so it was... It was
1: well, I, I grew up in a uh, evangelist family, and uh, my parents, Randy and Mary Jane James, and so uh, we did a lot of music, and it's stuff that I, you know, it's, it's generational, and I, I'm not a fan of Southern Gospel in any real huge form, mm-hmm. very much at all, and uh, I you know, they, we would sing the song, uh, it's your first morning in heaven when you stroll down the, you know, whatever avenue. And, uh-huh. and I always remember this part because the, just the Southern gospel, um, the Southern gospelness comes out because there's this line um, about being in heaven and the folks are always smiling saying, how do you do? You know? and, <laughs> yeah. and at that point, like, <laughs> like my dad and my sister would like shake hands from the stage. Like, well, I was like how do you do? And it was like that, you know, it's just it's the perfect southern gospel thing there's that hokey like i don't know if it's uh acting and and it seems hokey now i suppose back then it wasn't i'm i'm not trying to call mom and dad hokey sorry guys i know you might be listening to this (laughs) but uh it, it is funny it's just it's different it's always fun to me to watch generationally how things go um but that's cool so you you sang with your family too that's great
2: yeah. Yeah. Actually getting to add to your story there it was because mm-hmm. all my siblings were all like equally intense in a different way and I have more of a laid back approach to the stage and some of them mm-hmm. have more of a showmanship sort of approach. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to see the crowd because some people they dig it, man. They love the like when I did my own music that night, people were mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. Some of the people were like, Ah, that's okay. Yeah. When we did the family stuff, you know, the harmonies and all that showmanship stuff. They uh they loved it. They, they loved it, it up. So so it was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's something about uh the harmonies that people just uh, just go nuts for, and mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I don't know that whole culture just really interests me. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Southern gospel music, like I mentioned. I'm not against it; uh, it's just a, a style difference. And I, yeah. I do like all styles. There are people that I I enjoy, but yeah, it's it's a whole different culture, and people go nuts at different points. I have to say, I went to a Gaither. Um, homecoming concert one time oh boy and I was on like the second row and uh, it was a gift the tickets were given to me and I have to say I've been to like rock concerts Mm -hmm. that were pretty wild I've been to a lot of venues through the year and I say I probably will till my dying day they get a lot more rowdy at
0: a wow. Gaither
1: concert, like, and they go late into the night. Like, I left early; it was too, it was too much. And okay. I mean, they they get all emotional and and the line to the bathroom because everybody there is you know sixty plus, just mm-hmm. about. And, and it's <laughs> the only place I've ever been. The line to the men's bathroom was just as long as the line to the women.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Uh, so I, I don't know what that means, but it's an age thing probably where yeah. everybody. Yeah. So, uh, but man, they get they get wild. They go late into the night. So. Well, so keep yeah, doing
2: them, so there must be a reason, I guess. There must be a reason. Yeah. There's yeah. got to
1: be. So, Well, um, hearing that and hearing about your family background, um, you spent the better part of the last decade uh, backpacking through Europe and doing some different things. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, now it's to the point where, you know, that bio, I've got to update that because it's not the better as far as <laughs> years. Maybe the better as far as the quality. But, yeah, so um, I, I think it was in college, my last year of college, I started um, – I, I, would, oh, I took some time off and I did backpack here for the first time with a couple of friends, which led to this, um, uh, addiction sort of, uh, I kept going back. And so, yeah, I, I went for a little bit and then I ended up going back there to live, uh, for several months. Um, and then I, um, actually went back there and lived for at one point for like a year and a half. Um, so, so during that time, you yeah, backpacking, I was writing a lot of songs and, um, and ended up, um, Playing quite a bit, and I was mostly in Germany, is where I lived, as well. So this is a bit confusing. I should I should slow down here. My second trip, I guess, I did meet a girl over there Mm -hmm. who now is my wife. So Uh uh, there's some strong family ties there as well. Uh, Nice. Um, So
1: yeah. Very good. Uh, now, tell us, now that you're back in the States, you've uh, you've reunited and you're playing music with family again, so tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, who the Miller Road Band is that you're currently playing with, because I think this is the coolest thing.
2: Yeah, the Miller Road Band, actually, it's a family, their last name is Miller, and it's my two nephews and a niece, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the son, sons and daughter of my oldest sister, uh, and they've been trained classically in the strings, violin and uh, cello and viola, um, uh, but... You know, during our family get-togethers, I started doing my Americana stuff, mm-hmm. and they started jumping in with me, and um, it, it sort of happened. We started off by playing weekly at a little farm market, um, and then it turned into something a bit more serious, little hmm. by little, and did the re- recording together for the first album. They're on about half of the album. And they're really good musicians. They have they actually know how to read music as well.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> so. they're actually uh, classically trained on cello and violin, is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So you uh, you actually do your best mixing Americana and classical. Yeah, the same yeah. Time. Yeah, whether you know it or not, it's <laughs> right, happening right. all inside Yeah,
2: so my niece who plays the violin slash fiddle for us, if you heard her play, it's like a combination. It's not straight up fiddling, you know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if she'd hold her own in a, a bluegrass festival yeah. as far as fiddling goes, but... It's a bit of a. I like it actually better. It's kind of a combination. It's a so. very.
1: It's a very melodic uh, type of playing. The way that she does it, and it's very much. Um, it's kind of what helps give you guys a little different sort of a sound because it's not. It's not like uh, like you said the uh, the double string you know yeah. fiddle playing. It's 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 more of a you know much more um, smooth rootsy you know kind of a bluesy type. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's doing. Let's just put it that way. She does yeah. a nice job. So, yeah. uh, well, your your style. Um, of course, I have my own thoughts on on what your style is, but I was looking at your page a little bit, and it's described as folk, bluegrass, rock, blues, jazz, country, and gospel. Mm. Um, also described as idiosyncratic folk rock and Americana roots music with soul, and <laughs> uh, and I I like that, and I like how you described it. Uh, one time when we were on a radio show together and you said um it's it's music that you could play in a bar or in a church you yeah, know and yeah. i i like i like that both because uh as as i've talked about on here before um i think christians ought to be about not making necessarily just christian things because as i said in the last podcast you know, God didn't make Christian clouds and He didn't make Christian grass and He didn't make, you know, but um, God is this creator of of wondrous, amazing things. And I think part of us sharing in His glory and sharing in who He is is just to be creative people. And Mm -hmm. the message is something that that can be heard anywhere. And as long as it's good and it speaks of things that are true and things that are good, um, we actually get, um, we get blessed by the God who is the creator of all things, and that, and I really love that. I love that about your music. And people like me who who tend to, for whatever reason, my calling has been more into Christian music, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not what I listen to. Like it's not the main thing, but it just seems like when I try to write, that's what comes out, and uh, it's just what is important in my life, and and that or, or times my wife, I'll sit down and write a song about her. But I love mm-hmm. that you, in whatever way that you're. Uh, calling to do music is playing out, like it comes out uh, in a song about Ohio, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the songs about, um, how you said before... um, you know songs i think it says on your site something about um, songs about home are easier to write when you're far away mm-hmm. and songs about being far away are easier to write when you're home mm-hmm. and uh, you do a great job of writing about a variety of things i have to say one of my favorite songs is uh, the devil's drink oh yeah uh, i mean it's just it's it's a funny song but it's you know i think it's funny that you dedicate it to your mom who's never probably touched a drink in her life yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty funny song uh but it's it's man it's just good stuff but i have to say my wife um mm-hmm. just does not stop listening to your music like her ipod she's always oh, wow. got it going every time i walk in the house and she's listening i don't say every time but probably 70 mm-hmm. percent of the time lately i've walked in it's been daniel die and oh, the Miller Road cool. band playing so it's it's a neat thing to uh to walk in and hear uh tell us a little bit about if you would the uh the madden road music festival because there's oh, yeah. kind of a music hall there and yeah you, know, you invited me to come out for like a a jam session one day and it was the neatest thing but mm-hmm. i'd like to hear kind of your vision and your words on it and what's going on with that
2: oh yeah um it, madden road music hall is in a small town called mutual ohio um if you're from this area uh it is actually uh I should say this area we're in Springfield, Ohio, for those listening. But it's north of us in a small town between Urbana and Mechanicsburg. It's an old antique store, actually. My mom has an antique store on the uh, the first floor. She's had it there for a long time. But historically, at one point, this was a schoolhouse and then also a town hall. But the upstairs has been empty except for furniture and dead birds uh, for like 50 or 60 years and lots of bird poo uh, piles and piles of it so we spent this, this uh is, this summer this cleaning is a it.
1: great venue folks <laughs> right right
2: so so yeah yeah we uh let's, let's see if i can sell this here. <laughs>
1: we, it's going good so far <laughs> right if right, you want to hear good music in an environment filled with bird poop come on out folks. Right. No.
2: <laughs> so we cleaned this thing out this old town hall and um and discovered, actually, we knew, we heard it was a gymnasium at one point, but we discovered when we cleaned the floors and scrubbed them down, we saw uh, like old basketball, lines for basketball courts and stuff. Oh, wow. uh, so cool old wooden floors. And um, the venue is one of those places that, you know, everyone's building new buildings that are, they trying to make them look old, like look vintage, you know, with the, the beat down paint and the cracked uh, plaster and the exposed sure. brick this place has it. We didn't mm-hmm. even have to do anything. you just cleaned it up, and there it is. Very nice. So, um, yeah, so we've been, uh, we started a music festival there last year. Um, it was, you know, a one-day music festival, pretty small scale, but uh, we had six or seven bands there. And, uh, yeah, Rick came out and played. We had a good picking time. Yeah. Um, and we're actually starting a series this summer of, um, we're actually starting April 21st. We're going to kick off the season, but we're, Trying to do a summer series with different genres of music, about once a month having a a concert there. It's a very very cool cool venue. So very nice. so it, yeah,
1: it is a neat place. So uh, I, I encourage you if uh, you want to do something with your summer, try to go to the Madden Road. Uh, not just the festival but a lot of music offerings that you have going on I see throughout the year yeah that's at
2: maddenroadmusic.com
1: maddenroadmusic.com and as far as I know all traces of bird poop are gone now yeah so yeah, um, it is, it's not the crappiest venue you've ever been to anymore it's, yeah well
2: you know the birds started yeah. to take it over between the music festival and our next concert really they came back and they so, had like an egg war in there and everything so we had to so clean it up.
1: when you come to the concert bring a BB gun is <laughs> right. what we could say yeah. So. Yeah, but you know we have an we have a, we have an
2: owl in there now, a fake owl. Oh, okay. So I guess, uh, I didn't know this, but you know, you see those owls in garages and mm-hmm. stuff, they scare away birds. But I have to go up and move it every few days or the birds start catching on they're like, all right, <laughs> wait a second. So we're going to call this venue the Moving Owl, I think. So, so Calling it the what? The Moving Owl. The Moving Owl. Perhaps. I thought,
1: I thought yeah. you said the Mooning Owl for <laughs> a second. Uh, well, all right, whatever. No, that's great. That's really a, a cool thing. And this also uh being a part of, putting on this festival is not just that you're a part of it you really kind of organized it from the bottom up and uh, and it actually afforded you a chance to be on a radio station which is an npr affiliate which i think is the coolest thing ever because uh, i mm. listen to a lot of npr when i have a chance to but uh ninety one point three Why so actually featured you on there. Mm-hmm. And then uh you were invited to do something that now has has made you a household name worldwide yeah. uh, to play at the annual Rickley James and Friends picking party. Yeah. Um and this year it was at the Clifton Opera House and uh, actually in fact you did me a favor by being there and probably um, added a lot more people than I would have had otherwise to come out because of your band so uh, it, was a, it was a great night that we played together yeah it was so and I understand that since then you've found that no other music opportunity has been quite as fulfilling
0: right there's, uh, yeah that's there's it there's just that's... never
1: been you got the Rick James bump and now all the thrill is over no. yeah that was the summit <laughs> now I'm heading back down I said yeah. now you gotta so. go back to Europe and try to <laughs> desperately you know that darn concert ruined it all no <laughs> No, it was great having you out there, and we really enjoyed it. Um, that, that, that's a neat venue in itself, just the uh, Clifton Opera House, but um, we, yeah, probably won't, we probably won't keep talking about it because if you're not from Springfield in this area, you probably don't care. That not much about come, it. not, not of common interest, perhaps. <laughs> that's right. Right. We're sorry, <laughs> <Exactly>. folks. <laughs> so um, I do want you to play in just a minute, but I want to ask you something that you, you may have not even thought about fully. I have a feeling you have as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there's a lot of a lot of depth, I think your music is, is good because you can go back and listen again and hear some different good things from it. And there is a wide range of of uh, of topics that you sing about. But for the most part, just you as an artist, um, let, let me let me describe it this way. I just watched a movie that uh, Woody Allen uh, wrote, and I, I'm pretty sure he wrote it because I think he does all of his own stuff. He wrote and directed. Uh, Owen Wilson starred in it. It's called Midnight in Paris. Mm-hmm. And there's a place in that movie where... Um, the, the, Not to give too much away about the film, um, but he kind of goes out at midnight. He's in Paris. And somehow he gets transported back in time and he's hanging around with all these like really fantastic artists from this period of time in, in Paris. Like He's hanging around with Hemingway and people mm-hmm. like that. Cole Porter. And, and it's just like, in his mind, this is... Um, where he's always wanted to live and always wanted to be and the next day he's back in present time but he goes back at midnight well at one part in the movie and there actually is a question in here i'm leading up to but Mm -hmm. at one part in the movie he goes by um this small outdoor shop and on an old record player they're playing cole porter music and Mm -hmm. he he stops in and and uh talks to the lady that runs uh the little shop there and um down the road because he's talking to her about Cole Porter and he talks about Cole Porter like he knows him because somehow he's, whether it's in his mind or whatever, he's actually hanging out with these people at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day she sees him on the street and she says to him uh, in her French accent, she says, oh, we got some Cole Porter records in the other day and I thought of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, I think the line was, oh, I I like being thought of that way, that when you think of Cole Porter, you think of me, you know, like I like to be thought of in that way. So the question to you, Mm -hmm. how do you want to be thought of? Like when people hear your music, is there something you want them to feel? I think every artist, when they're writing and, and when they're performing and playing, they kind of hope that some sort of image or something will kind of click in their minds and i know it may be kind of a broad question but mm-hmm. as you an as an artist you know like similarly to him and the woman saying oh I, I thought of you when i thought of cole porter and he says i like being thought of that way if you had a way that you want people to try to think of you what do you think that is
2: oh man that's a tough question yeah um i think um for some reason the words came like to my head you know broken and beaten down and yet hopeful or something mm. like that I guess the songs come from so many different stories that I that we, we all met meet people that just go through hard times and then I just think of this life as being like an old we were talking about gospel earlier but mm-hmm. um, I love old hymns because mm-hmm. it's kind of like we're plodding through this life but there's there's hope in the end and not that it's all all sad mm-hmm. but that's how uh, I think I like a, a song that's um maybe both bitter and sweet at the same time yeah. um so, um boy, I mean I think of guys like Johnny Cash or Towns Van Zant, um although Townsman Zant is so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's not much there. Um yeah. his first song he ever wrote was Waiting Around to Die. You know? yeah. <laughs> so um but I, I'm definitely I, I'm definitely a sucker for a sad song. Um but as far as like a yeah, feeling um I don't know. Um you just have to listen in, See, i guess does that make sense at all well
1: no there's a that makes perfect sense to me as a writer because sometimes in the deepest valleys is where i feel like i write the best stuff and um and i there was a newspaper article a few years back um, i forget which album it was that eric clapton made Mm -hmm. but the uh i I forget if it was billboard or rolling stone or somebody and probably been about seven eight years ago now and he just had a new album come out and the article started out saying things are good for Eric Clapton. He's he's got a wife and he's got a new child, and mm-hmm. you know he's very happy. And every time he gives an interview, you can just tell he's just shining. And you yeah. know this new place in life is just great. So that explains why this album is abysmal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and it really was true. Like I got the uh, CD from the library a while back, and I couldn't even listen to it. It yeah. was just, I mean, it, it was just so. Uh, it almost seemed shallow like there wasn't much to it and there's something about a blues man singing happy songs that just does not feel right you know yeah. and so i understand yeah. that that depth of emotion that's there and uh the hopeful sadness there's sometimes you know if you think about even the psalms in scripture where uh 60 of the psalms are these uh, or better than that are like these laments that are crying out to god yeah but they yeah. reach from this um this authentic place of uh, desperation and need and they they find the trueness of of who we are and you know our our truest state is we are people who are desperate for something bigger than us mm-hmm. you know and uh so i think that that's some some reason i i've always found that like heartbreak songs are my favorite kind you know that yeah. i listen yeah. to i don't write that many of them but you yeah. know, find me an old, sad song, and man, I just, I like stuff that can make me weep along with it, so. Yeah. Well, you want to share a song with us today? Sure. Um Daniel, uh, everybody look at his banjo. No, I know you can't see it, but uh, being that, it's probably good because I know I have a face for radio, um, <laughs> so you can't see this uh, this uh banjo that he brought in, but it's a nice looking banjo.
2: It's, it's missing a string, though. It's missing, it's a, missing a string? It's missing the top string. It, it broke off one of our gigs and. Now I'm just playing a four-string banjo. So
1: the so. banjo itself is experiencing the loss that Daniel <laughs> has sung about before. Yeah. But I think, are you going to share Blinded again? Yeah. This is yeah. A, a new song, and I, I heard it on YouTube the other night, and you shared it uh, with me through my Facebook page, and I just loved it. I, I, I think it's going to be, I think people are just going to gravitate to it. But uh, say whatever you like about it and uh, play it for us. Uh,
2: yeah, this song. Like Rick said, it's called "Line It Again. Um, quite new, and um, yeah, this is the first time I've actually performed the song. I, I recorded it and um, put it on actually a little gift for my family with, with a few new songs. And this is, uh, I usually don't play songs on the banjo, but in December I had a little bit of a, uh, I wrote two or three songs on the banjo, and this is, this is one of them. So a little clumsy, but, uh, um, but here it is. By the pull of this world, Jesus, come save my soul. Oh, save my soul, save my soul, Jesus, come save my soul. Blinded again by the pull of this world, Jesus, come save my soul. Skin shining outside but dark within. Blinded again by the will of my flesh. Jesus, come save my soul. Oh, save my soul, save my soul. Jesus, come save my soul. Blinded again by the will of my flesh. Jesus, come save my soul. come save my soul. Oh, save my soul. Save my soul. Jesus, come save my soul. Blinded again by that angel of light. Jesus, come
1: save my soul. Good, good, good song. I like that one a lot. Right, thank you. So that's uh actually, I love that that uh, the way you turn the word uh, blinded again by that angel of light. Yeah. You know? And you know, scripture talks about Satan appearing as an angel of light. So that's that's pretty cool because usually we think of uh, uh, light as something different than that. But I, I've always said that um, you, you know when you when you think about uh, things like horror movies and stuff, a lot of people are are like oh that's so scary you know and I think oh well, to me that's not scary because mm-hmm. like to me Satan does not appear as like monsters and horrible things uh, what's scary about uh, about Satan is how wonderfully attractive he is on everything and so I think like mm-hmm. well, horror movies can be kind of fun because that's not the reality the reality is uh the glimmer of these things that uh, often blind us and keep us from loving well you know and yeah. and yeah. keep us from from being the selfless people that we should be so well, that's a great song and there's a possibility it's going to be on your new album
2: yeah yeah a possibility i'm working on a working on album number 2 um whether it's going to be an ep or an album remains to be seen i'm working um up with, a studio up in with with a guy in a studio up in uh Cambridge, Massachusetts, so it all depends on how many times I can get up there to record and True. there's a producer up there I'm working with. So um um I, I think it might make it. I wanna have at least one banjo mm-hmm. song on the next yeah. uh, whether it's an E P or an album, I think I might put it on there. So Good. so yeah.
1: Well um But it is on
2: YouTube that song. There is a there is kind of a demo recording out there to to be heard that's so that's great so, now
1: yeah. now if somebody wants to uh to book you somewhere at their uh, their concert venue their church or wherever mm-hmm. uh is the best place for them to go your website danieldiamusic.com or how's the best way to get a hold of you
2: yeah it's kind of confusing i have two booking emails so um yeah daniel.music um there is you can you can book me through there it might lead to facebook and there's an email there um or Madden Road Music, the same thing. There's Madman Music at gmail.com. okay, and then there's um, Daniel nineteen seventy eight at yahoo.com. So those are the two emails. But either way, they can people can and they can still it.
1: access it all probably through that yeah. Daniel Die Music yeah. okay. I'm
2: actually connected. Both of those websites are connected. Great. There, so yeah.
1: okay, great. Well Daniel, thank you for being on Voices in My Head. Thank you, I appreciate Rick. it. This has uh, been a real pleasure and maybe one of these days we'll have you back again, hopefully. I'd love to, yeah. Maybe after the new C D comes out you can come in and give us a preview. Maybe you would next time maybe you can bring the whole the whole band with you. We That'd can be cool. Do yeah. just like the old days and gather around the one microphone, you know. Yeah, yeah. bluegrass <laughs> that style. Yeah. That's right, very much so. All right, any closing words? Anything I missed that you want fans to know about you?
2: Uh, I think you got it all. We got the website out there, and oh, I do have a couple shows coming up uh, for local, your local Ohio people. Okay, I'll be at uh, Canal Street Tavern on February twenty first um, for the Music Co op there, and then um, Un Mundo Cafe on February twenty fourth. Excellent. Yeah. So, and then back at the Opera House on March 9th. So. The, uh, Clifton the Clifton Opera, Opera House. House. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Very good. So, so there as well. That's
1: a that's a great venue. I love that place. It's a beautiful I think, place. I think I'm gonna be back there in November again this year. So oh, that's cool. good. Wow. Good. Well, all right. Well, thank you again, uh, Voices in My Head. We appreciate you, and uh, you can you can find more about Daniel on his website, um, or you can find more also through the uh, Voices in My Head Facebook page. I'm going to put some links to his things on there, um, or at my website, rickleyjames.com. And uh, So thank you, Daniel. It's been a real treat. We appreciate you being right, here. Thank Dan. you, Rick. That was our interview with Daniel Dye here of Voices in My Head. Now, you can get a free copy of Daniel's CD, and this is how you can do it. I'm going to tell you right now. Be the first one to call our phone line and tell us what you thought of the interview with Daniel at 937 505 6-2. Now make sure you talk specifically about Daniel, his music, and what you thought about the interview with him. And uh, we'll make sure you get a free copy, Compliments of Daniel. So we thank him very much for sharing that with us today. Well, on to the voices in my head to close out this podcast in the next few minutes. Uh, what's in my head this week? What things are speaking to me? And well, I'll be honest. Daniel mentioned something in his interview that he is drawn to darker lyrics with a lot of sadness, and I am often there myself. Um, you may wonder how that can go hand in hand with a Christian who is supposed to have the life of joy, But uh, and, and we do have a life of joy, but joy is so much more than an emotion and so much more than a feeling. It reminded me a little bit of what Keith Getty said last year when I was at a hymn writing conference last year called the Song Discovery in the Round. It was in Nashville, Tennessee, and the night before I actually had the privilege to sing with uh, Keith Getty on an album. Well, it was actually a live DVD that they were doing, and got to hear him speak the next day, and he said this. He said, Some of today's darker subjects in Scripture are not mentioned much today at all. The Old Testament is largely missing as well darker subjects of scripture and the Old Testament are missing from our songs, from our hymns, from the things that we sing together. Now, I mentioned in the interview with Daniel that I don't really care for southern gospel very much, and it's not a slam on those who make this type of music. I realize that there are a lot of different tastes and a lot of different styles, and I don't really think it's the music that bothers me as much as oftentimes the lyrics. I'm a lyric person, and when I hear some of the lyrics in not just Southern Gospel, but it's my problem with a lot of Christian music today, and in the past even, that the lyrics are just a little bit too sappy and sweet to be authentic. And to be real in my life Now that's not to say that there aren't Happy things in the life of following Christ I I fully believe there are But these songs just don't really Speak to me because um, They're not true. (laughs) I hate to put it that way, but they're just not. Here's some examples of maybe some hymns and some songs that we sing. By the way, a hymn, is the definition is simply a song that worships God. But uh, lyrics like, I'm so happy, here's the reason why Jesus took my burdens all away. um, That can be very true, but Jesus doesn't take our burdens all away. Um, you know, the paradox of a song like At the Cross, At the Cross, you know, it says, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. That's just not true. We're not happy all the day, every day. And to sing about the cross as a source of happiness for us, I think we miss that the cross was a terrible thing. And then there's this one that I, I heard it a lot growing up, and I never thought of it as a bad song until I really examined the lyrics. It's, uh, I found happiness, I found peace of mind, I found joy of living, perfect love sublime, I found real contentment, happy living in accord, I found happiness all the time, wonderful peace of mind when I found the Lord. Uh, well, before I go on with the lyrics, first of all, we don't find the Lord. Um, which is a common misconception that we have today. He finds us. Um, and to think that we would be happy all the time, uh, you know, peace of mind just constantly um, in in that happy saccharine sort of way is just wrong. Verse 1 especially, I think I would almost call it heresy when we look at the Bible. No more lonely days of pain and misery for the door of happiness I've found the key I found a life of love and harmony, wondrous happiness all the time, harmony so divine since I found the Lord. It's nice words, but what do we do with those words when we look at scripture and 60% of the Psalms are these lament Psalms crying out to God of people that are not filled with happiness. They're people that are filled with desperation and they're, they're God's people. They're ones that are following him. And I just have a hard time with with lyrics that say, when you come to Jesus, you'll be happy all the time, that everything's going to be I mean, everything will be fine, but that all there is is happiness and that there's no more burdens. My generation, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to latch on to the happiness songs the way that previous generations did. And I've wondered why, and I don't really know the answer. Maybe we're just coming to realize that Jesus' call is not to happiness but to a cross, and that Christ bids a man to come and die when they come to follow him. Perhaps we're learning that following Jesus won't, in fact, take away our burdens and our problems, but that we will have a whole new set of problems that we would never have had if Jesus hadn't invaded our lives in the first place. I hate to say it that way, but it's true. Life's pretty easy before Jesus. You start following him, and Well, that's when persecution begins. That's when you can't do the stuff you want anymore. You have to do the things that are right. It creates a whole new set of problems. You know, the songs that I generate with, especially in worship, are not songs that say, I'll be happy, happy, happy all the time, and there'll never be another sorrow again, which I don't think any Christian really believes that. But songs like this that say, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Where else can I go? There's no other name by which I'm saved. Capture me with grace. I'll follow you. Or the words that Tim Hughes penned in the song When the Tears Fall, which is one of the best examples of a godly lament that I've heard. I've had questions without answers, the lyrics say. I've known sorrow. I have known pain. But there's one thing that I'll cling to. You are faithful, Jesus. You're true. When hope is lost, I'll call you Savior. When pain surrounds, I'll call you healer. When silence falls, you'll be the song within my heart. In the lone hour of my sorrow, through the darkest night of my soul, you surround me and sustain me, my defender forevermore. I will praise you. I will praise you. When the tears fall, still I will sing to you. I will praise you, Jesus, praise you, through the suffering, still I will sing. When the laughter fails to comfort, when my heart aches, Lord, you are there. When confusion is all around me and darkness is my closest friend, still I'll praise you, Jesus, praise you. So much depth in that that can't be described by Jesus came and took every problem I had away and all I have is happiness all the time. One of my favorite songwriters, and probably always will be, is Michael Card. He's a very learned man, and not only writes beautiful lyrics, but is a wonderful teacher of the Bible, and has some master's degrees in the topic. Michael Card was speaking at the East Coast Worship Summit this past summer in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and he said that most of worship literature in the Bible is lament worship, yet hardly any of our contemporary worship music reflects that. And you know what? There are some structures to lament psalms. Now, I'm just going to share briefly um, what the structure of the psalms of lament usually are. Usually there's this address to God directly, straight to Him, because they have to go straight to Him. He's the only one that can meet their needs. And then following in the psalm is a lament proper, a description of the occurrences for which people are requesting assistance or rescue. And then there's usually this confession of trust or some sort of statement showing that the belief in God that they have, that they know God will hear their prayers. And then there's usually a petition uh, and, and it's a very specific statement about the people and what they want God to do, what they need Him to do. And finally, the Psalms of Lament usually end with this vow of praise. It's the part of the lament where the people promise to offer thanksgiving to God, especially once He has intervened in their situation. See, I I believe this, and I'm, I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody, and I'm not trying to say anyone's wrong for the way that we worship and the way that we sing, but I believe God cares much more about our faithfulness than our happiness. I'm not sure happiness ever factors into our calling. You really can never find that in Scripture. It's for this reason that I say this, what I've said many, many times. I don't think I have ever met a happy pastor. It's hard to carry the weight of the Word of God. It's hard to carry the burden of God's people. And you may think I'm wrong, but if you spend some time really getting to know most pastors, you'll find not necessarily that they're miserable people, but they have a difficult path ahead of them. It's not happiness all the time and wonderful peace of mind. It's a difficult path to tread. That doesn't mean it's a miserable life. But we are a people who need a big God in our lives. A refuge and a strength. Now, bigger than happiness is joy. Joy is something that's wrapped in hope It's a gladness that transcends our happiness. And Paul talks about the church making him joyful even when he is bound in chains. And our hearts can be joyful even in the painful moments. Because joy is about hope, it's about something that's coming that can't be taken away in spite of the miserableness of our situation at the time. Happiness is a feeling, and feelings are fleeting, just like sadness. Sadness doesn't stay, and neither does happiness necessarily. Happiness comes from external situations, while joy comes from deep within. And like Stephen Curtis Chapman says in his beautiful lament, The Heartbeat of Hope, it's the song that makes me dance when my feet refuse to move. It's the wind that parts the water that I cannot get through. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to sad songs. Because I'm longing for a God who has overcome those things that I can't, and who has set joy before me in all circumstances. We need a big Savior who can keep us through all the storms of life. I want to leave you today with a song of lament that I wrote, a song called The Private Storm that I wrote in one of the darkest parts of my life. But Christians, we don't, mourn and lament as people without hope and that's what makes all the difference it's not a denial of sadness in this life it's acknowledging that there's more to it than our happiness and that ultimately joy has been set before us and that no matter what the storm it ultimately has found its defeat in the cross of christ god bless you and thank you for listening to voices in my head
0: blowing sideways rain. He fights so brave and strong till his life is nearly drained. He's battered on the rocks of the silence of the Lord. He echoes through the night of his own private storm. It's just another night, but it's the darkest he has known. He can barely stand upright, but the storm still rages on. And through his blurry eyes, he searches for the dawn. He's fighting for his life through his own private storm. It'll spin him all about It'll toss him all around It'll throw him in the air And it'll slam him to the ground And It'll make him start to ask If there ever was a God In this private storm Will there ever be a calm? Will there be But silence is not golden When you're hanging on a cross And you're fighting every storm Humankind has ever fought And it's true that God won't give Any more than we can bear But the storm is not of God And it doesn't really care So the storm beat Him down and it took his life away over oh, three days in the ground and rising from the grave will carry every soul who is battered in the rain and it tells us that the gales will not have the final say in your own private storm it will not win this private storm is crucified with Christ. It may spin you all about, it may toss you all around. It might throw you in the air, and it may slam you down.
1: listening to voices in my head. The official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. You can also download my free mobile app from iTunes and on the Android marketplace. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback